You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 15, offerings of first fruits and tithes. In chapters 5 to 25 of Deuteronomy, Moses reiterated many laws for the conquest generation about to enter the Promised Land. Now he adds a few other instructions regarding their conduct when they enter Canaan. First he reminds them of two special festivals that serve to celebrate God's goodness to them in fulfilling his covenant promises to their ancestors and blessing them in the land. He says, When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. The conquest was certain. God said when, not if you enter the land, take possession and settle in it. The central place of worship was not named, but implied that God would direct them to such a place and the tabernacle would be there. They were to bring the first fruits of their crops to the house of the Lord. First fruits implies not just the first of their crops, but the best. It anticipated the rest of the harvest to come, and it was an expression of gratitude for his provision. So this was distinct from the annual feast of first fruits described in Leviticus 23, 9-14, which was a celebration in conjunction with the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this would happen only when they had their first harvest in Canaan to celebrate the fulfillment of the promise. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people, and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. We need to stop there and consider that this wandering Syrian was Jacob, who married his Syrian relatives. Genesis 25.20 Part of Abraham's family settled there as he came out of Ur to go to Canaan. It recalls the journey of Israel and his small family to Egypt to join Joseph during a famine. This resulted in a stay of 430 years. While they were there, God's promise to multiply them to be an innumerable nation was fulfilled. God keeps his promises. Then he adds, But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. So it's important to notice the contrasts through the words used. On their part, the Israelites were experiencing misery, toil, and oppression. They were mistreated, suffering, and subjected to hard labor, causing them to cry out to God. On God's part, he heard, he saw, and he brought them out of Egypt. So their redemption is linked with the word so, 
meaning since he saw and heard what was happening to them, he acted on their behalf. But he didn't just sneak them out of the country. He brought them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. So the people that Moses was speaking with were children at the time, born in Egypt, and they have wandered through the wilderness for forty years, seeing both God's provision and his discipline and the giving of the law. They would remember these things. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Then it says to place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So while they haven't yet crossed over, when they do, they'll see it is true that it is a land flowing with milk and honey. This phrase is used to describe Canaan 19 times in scripture, beginning with God in Exodus 3.8, when he first promised it to them through Moses. And this speaks of provision and an abundance of good things. In response, they acknowledge that all the good things they enjoy have been given to them by this faithful God. They will have moved from a nomadic existence to an agrarian community. They will bow down and worship. While the Day of Atonement is a very solemn ceremony, most of the festivals are times of celebration. Here they are told to rejoice in all the good things that their God has given them. They are to include the Levites and any foreigners who live among them in this celebration. The next special ritual they are to perform when they enter the Promised Land is described this way. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us, as you promised, on oath to our ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. So this welfare tithe collected every third year was in addition to the other prescribed tithes. This one was not taken to the central sanctuary, but distributed locally to the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows. These four groups of people are often marked out by God for special care. This is part of a just society to care for those who have no other means of support. At the time of the offering of the tithe, they were to profess their obedience to all of God's commands and ask him to continue to bless them in their new land. Blessing comes through obedience. This is the first but not the last reference to God's dwelling being in heaven. Verses 16 through 19, a special people of God. 
Finally, Moses concludes by calling for the people of Israel to commit themselves fully to this God. This would be like a formal ratification of the covenant with the conquest generation. Their parents proved to be unfaithful, but now it was a new start. It almost sounds like a wedding with an exchange of vows. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands and laws, and that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honor, high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. So twice it mentions that God has fulfilled his promises just as he said. It is because he is faithful to his covenant that they are about to enter into the promised land. Therefore they would be his people, his treasured possession. They would have this elevated status in the world because it would be through this nation that the Messiah would come. So this day, spoken of in verse 16, occurred in the eleventh month of the for their fortieth year since they came out of Egypt. The end was in sight. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? They were to bring their first fruits to God. We are to give God our first and best. It pointed forward to Jesus' resurrection, which occurred on the day after the Sabbath, as this feast did. Uh, Jesus was the first fruit from the dead, and we follow after, being given glorified resurrection bodies like his own. They were to recall their humble beginnings as nomads, then slaves. The Apostle Paul reminds us, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So they recognized that they were only giving back to God what he had blessed them with in the first place. We don't enrich God by our offerings, but only acknowledge his goodness to us. They were God's special treasured possession. We can also trust that God will keep his promises to us and bring us safely to heaven, our promised land, because we are his special people. And because of this, we must live obedient lives, consistent with our identity. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 27. May God bless the study of his word.